And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 125 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, 125 walks for which Giants player in 1999? Uh, Barry Bonds, but only in the month of April. (laughs) It's a trick question. It was Russ Ortiz who had that many walks. You should not have that many walks if you are a pitcher, Russ Ortiz. Uh, At the same time, he was 18 and 9. So what the hell do I know? Yeah, that's that's the old effectively wild to turn a a negative into a positive. Um, And and he could be very effectively wild. And he could also not be effectively wild when he was with like, I don't know, the Arizona Diamondbacks later on. Yeah, he led the league in walks twice. uh, But the second time he led the league in walks, he also finished fourth in the Cy Young vote. So, okay, that's just Russ Ortiz's game. And he was kind of fun to watch. I don't know. I liked Russ Ortiz. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, well, certainly will conjure uh, memories for Giants fans. Mostly good, but a, a couple that'll make you cringe a little bit too. Um, but also one that really had nothing to do with him because all he had to do was hand over the baseball. I have no idea what you were referring yeah, to. Yeah, I'm like, right, why, moving why on. We, why do we go down this road? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Now, you know, right, so we're recording this on Monday morning. And it. I like this because when the Giants win the last game of a series, we get to talk about fun things. If they had won Friday's game and then dropped two to the Marlins, we'd come on here a little bit like Eeyore and, you know, the Giants. But it was a good positive note. You have Alex Wood to talk about. You have Camilo Doval. I mean, I'm writing about him right now because I was so enamored of his performance. It was a good salvage win on Sunday. Yeah, no, it really was. And uh, by the same token, it was a one to nothing win. So you needed to have Jazz Chisholm come off second base or Alex Wood would have had runner two runners in scoring position with one out in the fifth inning. You needed Austin Slater to make a great catch in center field, looking like an actual center fielder. Uh, give him some credit for the way he's played center field this season. He's been great. Um, you needed uh, you know every single pitcher to come through, uh, four different relievers to throw up zeros, including a guy making his major league debut, as you say, Camilo Duvall, who had never pitched above a ball. So when you you win one nothing. You need all those things to break your way, and they did break the Giants' way. But you know, maybe they should go out and score like eleven runs today, or something like that. That might be that might work too. Of all the possibilities for this season, you're looking at all of them uh, before the season starts. And oh, here's how the Giants could win. Here's how um, the Giants could fail. Here's how they could squeak into the postseason. Here's how they could be interesting. Here's how they could lose a hundred games. I did not have them aping the 2009 Giants as a possibility. Just like one nothing game, bare knuckles, biting your your nails down to the cuticle. 
I did not have this as a possibility. I'm just, I'm blown away by these low, low scoring wins. I, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, I mean, the, the positive is that, you know, they're finding ways to win through through this while they have, you know, many of their main guys hitting, you know, a buck something. And that's a good sign because, you know, every team's going to go through periods where they don't hit. And if you can find a way to win games and have other parts of your team be strong enough to carry you, then, hey, that's a great thing. Um, but, uh you know, by the other token, um, you know, it's you put a lot of pressure on a team when you have to win that way uh, over and over and over again. And I think Tyler Rogers is going to appear in 180 games out of 162 <laughs> at this stage. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, clearly, clearly the offense has to get it going. And I think that there is some sense of urgency that's starting to settle in there, um, especially when guys I mean, they. You know, they're digging in the batter's box. They look up at the scoreboard. They see their average staring them in the face. And, and they have a lot of pride. They, you know, will put some pressure and start pressing a little bit. But, you know, I think we all know, as you wrote a couple days ago, a lot of this is just guys are making pitches on them. And, uh, um, you know, that they're they're staying with their process and the process worked for them last year. And, and I think that eventually, you know, with a little patience, it'll work for them this year. The first game of the series against the Marlins, it was a tough loss. The offense didn't do much. I didn't see a ton of wild swings and bad approaches. I saw some uh, well-hit balls. I, I saw an opposing pitcher making good pitches. And so I'm still cautiously optimistic about about this lineup. Um, you know, at the same time, they're not giving their bullpen a lot of wiggle room. And I remember this in the second half of 2016. It was a bad bullpen hitting rough spots, but it always seemed like they were coming into a one-run game. Like the Giants had scored their three runs and that's it. You know, go get them, fellers. And when they couldn't get those three, four scoreless innings, it was so noticeable. And there's a little bit of that coming to the season. I think that there's just a lot of positives on the pitching side. You know, it's it's, it's the pitching was already performing well. And now you throw Alex Wood in the mix and you get a guy like Duvall who comes in and shows you what he can do. And then you think, oh, gosh, there's there's like basically two more analogs of Camilo Duvall at the alternate site in um, Kervin Castro and Gregory Santos, who's pumping 100 miles an hour right now. And then you think about, well, Brebius, we still haven't seen him yet. He's on his way back. He's a guy who's a good leverage reliever. Tyler Beatty is a guy that they expect uh, to be able to, to rely on at some point this season. I mean, the pitching situation is getting brighter by the day, it seems like. And and now you got Kevin Gossman you throw out there for a, a series opener in Philadelphia. And aside from maybe Corbin Burns and Jacob deGrom and maybe two or three other guys, there's nobody in the National League you'd rather have taken the mound than, than Kevin Gossman right now. So, you know, obviously the pitching can't carry the load all season. But I think they've shown that when they have to, they can. And we didn't know that when the season started. So I think that's a really good sign. I have the MLB Trade Rumors app on my phone. It sends out notifications, push notifications. And on March 16th, this was the push notification that I read on my phone. It read, Alex Wood to undergo ablation procedure on spine. Now, knowing Alex Wood's injury history, it's, it's kind of a lengthy one. And not knowing what the hell an ablation procedure on a spine is, I was like concerned for his future as a human being and an adult. I was at that point just like, oh gosh, you know, when's he going to get back to pitch? I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds absolutely horrible. And then you read up on it. It's like, well, it's, you know, kind of routine. It's it's not great, but it's not that bad. And then he shows up in his season debut, his debut in a Giants uniform. He looks like the Alex Wood I remember watching when he was successful with the Dodgers and I, I was grumbling that the Braves gave him up. That's what he looked like. He looked like that pitcher again. Yeah, you hear a nerve ablation procedure in spine and you think, okay, so I'm, I'm getting 
my consultation with the surgeon and the surgeon is describing the various pros and cons of shall we use vibranium or shall we use adamantium <laughs> to rebuild your spine? Uh, and really, the, the key word for me was ablation. And I just remember that one because, you know, Bruce Bochy, when he had his heart procedure, was in heart ablation where they burn away a little of the basically the area that's that's causing um, defibrillation or, or, or an irregular heartbeat. So that's the same thing here. They're just burning away this nerve that fires up. And I guess he's had it before. And he said the nerves grow back, uh, hmm. kind of like a, a lizard getting its tail cut off. But yeah, your, <laughs> your, your nerves will grow back. And, and basically, they grew back in, into a place where, you know, they were getting inflamed again. So I guess he, it's like an oil change. He goes in and he has some nerves ablated every two or three years and, and uh, you know, pay for the, the extra um, uh, vacuuming and, and, uh, and the air, con- air refreshener and, and, and off you go. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. He he. You think that that's something that's gonna? Oh man, is it's is he gonna miss half the year? Is he gonna be on the sixty day injured list? You know. And now here he is, and it's not even May yet, and he's looking great. And I think he probably would have gone another inning too if his spot hadn't come up with the um, um you know uh, for a pinch hitter. So uh, really good debut, and 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 man, his slider. It's just. I mean that's that thing is nipping the back feet of right-handed hitters. Um, he's it's coming from a deceptive arm angle. I mean he's he's legitimately a nasty guy to face, and and the Giants saw it for a lot of years. And you're right, it's like you were looking at the same guy out there, and that's a great sign. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With spring velocity, with April velocity, you always have to factor in that generally pitchers start to actually increase. They add a little bit of velocity as the year goes on. Not all the time. But when you see someone throwing, you know, 92 in April, uh, you you don't have to panic. That could be 94, 95 by the middle of, of the summer. But Wood's velocity in one game, and it's just one game, was the highest it's been since uh, the end of last year, which is why the Giants signed him. But before that, that's what his velocity was in 2017. And 2017 was his all-star season. He finished ninth in the Cy Young voting. He had a 2.72 ERA for the Dodgers. It was like his last truly great season. And just seeing that velocity, you know, it's not it's not upper tier velocity. It's still 92, 93. Uh, but just seeing that, you get why Alex Wood is on the Giants. You get why the Giants signed him. Uh, he looked like this in the postseason last year, and the Giants were rolling the dice saying, well, if he shows up like that next year, we're going to have him on the team and enjoy it. Uh, I think so far, so good. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It's uh, and, and you could say the same for um, pretty much everybody uh, in that rotation. We Johnny Cueto aside, we know that he's probably going to miss a couple of starts at least. But even before that, he was looking like vintage Johnny Cueto. I mean, uh, it's hard to imagine a better scenario for all these guys really starting out the year. 
Um, and, uh, and, and hey, how about Kirk Caselli? He's caught three shutouts in a row. Wow. And no Giants catcher has done that since Buster in 2015. And I looked it up and he caught a game against the Angels and two against the Padres because, of course, Padres. <laughs> and uh, it was Lincecum, Bumgarner, and Vogelsong. Uh, and all three of them dealt. Uh, uh, so I think that's a pretty cool thing. And, you know, if you're Kirk Casale, you're probably not too happy with your batting average right now, but you, you got to feel good about catching three shutouts in a row. Yeah, no, he's been steadier than, you know, I, I thought of him as a little bit more of an offense first catcher when I saw, you know, a stat line. I was looking up his pitch framing metrics when the Giants signed him, but he's steady. He's steady. He might not be the most elegant pitch framer, but everything else he does behind the plate is pretty darn solid. And it seems like pitchers enjoy throwing to him. Yeah, I think so, too. He just seems like a solid dude and uh, gets along with everyone. I remember when uh, the Giants got him, uh, uh, Mr. C. Trent Rosecrans, our fine Reds reporter, um, said, congratulations, uh, I want to cover the Giants now or something along those lines. Because <laughs> Kirk Casale was like one of his favorite players to cover. He even did a story, I think, in spring training one year where he like um, – you know, he rode along from from uh, from his uh, the place he was staying at to to Red's complex and spent like the whole day with them, like a day in the life of a catcher in spring training. And um, it, it's it's kind of crazy how many people he's played with. I mean, there was one point when Jake McGee was you know struggling in, in the the in the game he he uh, he gave away the two run lead, uh, the, the the sort of heartbreaking loss they had on on Saturday. But there was a point where Casali came to the mound and Evan Longoria comes over from third base and it's McGee, Casali, and Longoria. And I'm like, these guys probably had this exact same mound meeting like eight years ago with the Tampa Bay race. They're all former teammates. And Casali, of course, caught all the the former Reds guys like Di Sclafani. Uh, Gosman, uh, you know, in Cincinnati as well. So it, it's got to help a catcher, especially now when you don't have the same kind of clubhouse dynamic and you can't really have the same interactions uh, while, while people still have these protocols to follow. It's got to really help him that he knew a lot of people in this organization uh, before he got here. And of course, one of his best friends in the game uh, is his fellow, you know, Vanderbilt running mate, uh, Mike Yastrzemski. So, um, so yeah, it's it's no it's no uh, surprise that he's he's really just come and fit right in. See, this is going to get me on a tangent because I just received a response on Twitter from another one of our athletic colleagues, uh, Zach Buchanan, who used to cover the Reds, and this was about uh, Anthony Desclafani. And it was it was uh, in response to he's a bit of a foodie. I don't remember exactly the context, but going back and forth, he he said, "Solid dude, you know, just a really really good guy." And I'm starting to look at the roster now, and I just started to do this now. I'm not seeing turds on this team. I'm seeing like <laughs> the good personalities. Like I, I, it's remarkable for a 26 man roster. Like I've heard only good things about Jose Alvarez. I've, uh, you know, heard good things about most of these players. You see it in the interviews. Like you know, they're they seem like good interviews, smart guys. Just not a lot of turds on this roster. Yeah, that's 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 always kind of nice, right? Because um, you'll take the turds and you'll root for them, and you know AJ <laughs> right. Prasinski will ground into eighteen million double plays, and then he'll <laughs> and then he'll be non-tendered, and off he'll go. But when he was a giant, you were rooting for him. Um, but it always is nice when you're rooting for good people and people that uh, you know that you like and that you connect with on a personal level. And I mean, no one's going to really kind of empathize with us. We, we are very, very fortunate to have the jobs that we have and to be able to cover baseball. But this isn't the way you cover baseball. I mean, right. this to not be able to go in the clubhouse and strike up um, conversations with players that can take you know, a very kind of organic turn and to be able to kind of toggle between, hey, okay, here's a question I'm asking you for, you know, 
for, for a quote. And, and now we're just making small talk and, and, you know, that's what I really, really miss. And, uh, and, and we just can't do that right now. The, the, you know, the, the PR department's doing a great job to, to make as many people available to us on these group zooms, but you know, you're just not going to let your hair down in a group zoom. And a lot of the questions just end up being kind of granular, you know, game questions. And yeah, I just feel like a piece of my soul die with every group zoom I've been on this year, but <laughs> you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I've got my first shot and, uh, um, you know, we'll get to a point where things open back up and hopefully we get back in the clubhouse and get back to normal. But, but yeah, even from afar, like you said, I think you get a really good sense that this is a clubhouse full of, of good, just pros. And, you know, you could go down the line, not only the people that you know, but how about like an Evan Longoria? You know, this guy is a total pro. And I don't think he's been really appreciated with the Giants because he was a guy who they brought on to try to keep a top spinning that was already on its side. So, you know, but now you're beginning to appreciate what, what he can do as well. So yeah, I, I look forward to hopefully getting to know some of these players a little bit better when, when hopefully we get back in clubhouses again. And it seems like a lot of the discourse in the, the, the Farhan Kapler era has been, you know, uh, about the quantification of baseball, about the, the data munching, about, you know, trying to, to do the new, new, new money ball and try and figure out how to stand baseball on its head. And I look at the roster and part of me just thinks that one of the qualifications for being on the 2021 Giants is to be a solid guy, like to be a solid citizen and to be someone who's a part of a cohesive clubhouse. And that kind of goes in the face of a lot of what we were supposed to expect with a guy with a, an A's Dodgers background and, and, you know, the stat and the data and all that stuff. It seems like they really do prioritize. And I know you've written about this, but more so than we might think, they prioritize a, a, a cohesive clubhouse. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen that isn't always the case, right? I mean, the Houston Astros are a great example of a team that just said, we don't care. We don't care if you have a domestic violence thing in your background. You know, if you can get three outs in the ninth inning, you know, we're, we're going to gladly put you out there. And I, I, I think they've kind of seen the repercussions of that, you know, and, and the whole world has kind of seen the repercussions of that. It's, you know, you can't just strip that stuff and, 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 and pretend it doesn't exist. I mean, it's, uh, I think the holistic approach to building a team does include, hey, be a good person, you know, be a someone who's you're going to be responsible for yourself and for your teammates and and for, you know, just uh, uh, doing the right things. And, um, you know, I think there's a reason the Giants haven't had knock on wood um, an outbreak uh, in, in, you know, in two seasons going on now. Uh, they haven't had, uh, uh, you know, haven't broken protocols. They, they've they've been responsible, and and that's I think a lot of it is because of the training staff, the medical staff, the coaching staff. But a lot of it is just on the players too. I mean, there's a lot of temptation out there to, you know, it, it's got to suck to go to a place like Miami and you have to hole up in your hotel room the whole time. You have to let somebody on the team know uh, that you're leaving your hotel room to go on an, a walk outside. Um, you can you know go to a restaurant, but only if it's outside. You can see a immediate family, but these guys probably have friends in every city. I know I do. I have friends in a lot of different cities that I go to. And it's, it's one of the best parts of traveling and, and, and going on road trips is being able to connect with people you wouldn't otherwise see. And they can't visit with with friends and, and people from uh, even people from the other club you know, that they might be friends with uh, uh, or have played with before. So it's a very different experience. But I think that it's it's hopefully 
by the end of this season, they'll be able to experience what it's really you know like again, and, and we will too. It's funny that you mention the the Houston Astros as an example of, of a team that sort of became a little bit more mercenary than you're than you might have been expecting because they're they're responsible for one of the greatest ruined stories that I ever wrote. Um, it was. In 2017, it was right after Hurricane Harvey just devastated, just absolutely devastated the region. And SB Nation, my employer at the time, sent me to Houston, and they basically to the opening round of the playoffs, and they said, write something, write something poignant, write something, you know, that, that connects. And it's like, what the hell am I supposed to write? I have no idea. So I wrote, I, I, I got in touch with some people in the Astros front office that I knew, and the first thing one, one person said was, this clubhouse is amazing. This clubhouse has everything you would want. It has, it's loose, it's fun, it's got, it's incredibly diverse. You've got uh, Puerto Rico, you've got Cuba, you have uh, the Dominican, you have Connecticut, you have Texas, you have <laughs> Evan Gaddis. Connecticut. <laughs> hey, those, I'm telling you, you know, that's that's pretty far out there, this Connecticut. But Evan Gaddis, I mean, if you know anything about his story, I don't even know where you say Evan Gaddis comes from. Like, he basically was thumbing down the highway at one point in his career. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I, the more I looked into it, the more it was like, yeah, you know, this is kind of like Houston. Houston as an area, it just takes people from all over. And it's one of the most diverse cities in, in America, if not the world. And that's where a lot of its strengths come from. And I was really impressed. And then, you know, the Astros became known for something else. But also, like you said, they started to... Um, they started to become a little bit more of a mercenary, you know, okay, now you've got this guy, you know, the, the former Cy Young coming in. Now you've got this former Cy Young coming in and, oh, we need a closer. Uh, yeah, let's get R Roberto Asuna, you know, and then all of a sudden you have some people grumbling about that. And it wasn't as organic as it was, It, but it really made me believe that 2017 Astros team until you know, the unpleasantness made me believe in the value of a, a clubhouse culture. Yeah. I mean, you have your clubhouse culture and then you have your organizational culture. And I think that probably what was more toxic with the Astros was their organizational culture. And I, it's, it's just one of those things. It's, it's a total root and stem deal. I mean, if you have an ownership from the top or a president of baseball operations from the top that has a fundamental personality flaw, it's it, it's unfixable. I, I just think it's it's completely unfixable, um, and and it leads to to ruin. And we we've seen it in so many organizations um, over the years. And uh, um, you know, it's I think the, the Giants have to consider themselves very fortunate that they've had an ownership group um, that has been relatively hands off. There are times Barry Zito when they aren't, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, by the way, Camilo Duvall wears number 75 and is throwing 98 miles an hour, which I think I is love hilarious. It. I love um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's 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 I think it's one of those things where no matter what you put in place, if if you're flawed at the top, then it's going to be hard to fix. All right. We're going to shift gears kind of sort of because I don't know, it kind of bleeds into this. We're going to talk about Gabe Kapler returning to Philadelphia. And not only is he returning to Philadelphia, he is returning to uh, Philadelphia fans who will be in attendance and he will be returning to a, a ballpark that is not at full capacity, which means you will better hear these individual fans. And I think we should all listen to these games uh, with the volume turned up. I think we're in for a little bit of a treat. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed Jesus Aguilar yelling whatever he yelled after <laughs> striking out against yes. Camilo Duvall the other day. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, it's it's 
It, it does make for some very interesting uh, um, uh, crowd mic uh, bleeds that, that come through. If you have someone who's uh, a heckler who's near that crowd mic, you hear them all game long. Um, or somebody who's a shrieker. But uh, so, yeah, there, there could be some interesting ones. I mean, Philly is where, you know, they, gosh, I, I think of how cruel they were to like, you know, fix your teeth to Tim Lincecum and stuff like that. I mean, just, right. just really personal digs that are unnecessary, but um, that's just, that's just the way it is there. And I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be some of that uh, that's going to, you know, wend its way into Gabe Kapler's eardrums. But, um, you know, it's, I, I think if anything, he, like he said the other day, Hey, it's pretty simple. I didn't win enough when I was there and yeah, the expectations changed uh, a little bit. And yeah, I think they had an, ownership group that wasn't really in lockstep with, um, you know, Matt Klintak, the guy who hired Gabe Kapler and Klintak is not there any longer as well. Um, and that's, that's probably why Kapler is in a better situation now. Not only is he wiser for some of the mistakes he made in Philly, but I, I think also, hey, he, he is the choice of a president of baseball operations who has the absolute faith of um, upper management and ownership. And they're not going to just decide, you know, willy nilly. Well, okay, yeah, this was great. This was fun, but we've lost five years in a row. So, you know, you're done. No other context is going to be considered. Um, you know, we need to be better than this. That, that that's not going to happen in San Francisco, at least not not in the next couple of years. So, um, I, I think that right there just makes this a, a better situation for Gabe Kapler. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. One of the things that caught my eyes that when the Phillies let Kapler go, it was over the objections of the GM. It was over the objections of the front office. Uh, they loudly proclaimed, no, 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 Kapler's our guy. And this isn't a, 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 the best analogy just because it's unfair in a lot of ways. But you think of a 38-year-old Terry Francona uh, managing the, the Philadelphia Phillies. And, you know, he did not win in Philadelphia. He had three straight losing seasons. In 2000, uh, the Phillies lost 97 games. And Francona was out of work for four years. And now he might be a Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, I'm, I don't have my finger on the pulse of Hall of Fame managers other than, you know, the one I watched for uh, a few years. I, I think Francona has a shot. And it's an example of didn't work out as a young manager. 
maybe learned a few tricks, maybe just wasn't handed the right clay, uh, and then developed into someone who had a much, much, much better reputation and around the league. Yeah, I mean, it's the old cliche, right? It's it's not a complete failure if you learn from it, and I, you know that that goes for whatever walk of life you're in, I suppose. Um, and uh, I think that's a great point you make. And, and, you know, Philadelphia has not typically been a town that's had a lot of patience, um, you know, for for people who who aren't getting the job done. So, yeah, it, it will be interesting to, to see what the reception will be like. Um, and, and honestly, the, the probably the best thing that could happen to Gabe Kapler is for the Giants to go out and score nine runs. And <laughs> and he doesn't have to, you know, pull every last lever to try to win a one, one run game and then get asked about all those moves. So um, that would probably be the easiest thing is, hey, give, give him a, a game that he can just put on autopilot and, and doesn't have to um, to make, you know, 18 different decisions and get them all right to win a game. Yeah. And to be clear, just before I move on, I, I don't want to make the analogy of Terry Francona and Gabe Kapler, just because Francona started with the Phillies. You shouldn't just assume Kapler's going to have that kind of career path. That's kind of like every skinny kid with a changeup is Tim Lincecum, you know, that sort of mentality. Terry Francona is a very respected, rare uh, manager when it comes to these things. At the same time, it's, it's hard not to think like about the specific situation in Philly and also just, what a young manager has to learn. I have no idea. You know, I've never been a young manager. I've never been an old manager, but it just seems like the learning curve at the major league level is so great that there's going to be so much you're going to absorb in the first few years, maybe the first decade, that it's easy to be unfair to a young beginning manager. So just because I think the Terry Francona Gabe Kapler comparison is kind of fun, um, <laughs> I, I just I just looked this up. And this is an article on Sports Illustrated from October 30th, 2016. And the headline is, Terry Francona ordered $44 worth of ice cream at 3.30 a.m. and powered through to finish it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, in terms of personal habits, Gabe Kapler and Terry Francona, quite different. Quite different. Now, it wasn't a Kapler who uh, was quoted as saying that sometimes he puts ice cream in his mouth and uh, and spits it out just to get the taste? Yeah, that's something that he's kind of, he kind of is that apocryphal? at. He, he said he said it. He said it once. And, and he, he honestly, it's it's not the dumbest thing in the world. If you're on a diet oh, and sense. you're trying to lose weight and you're like, I really miss the taste of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> well, you can taste it. You just have to spit it out. But I, I could never be like a, a wine critic because no, I thing. can't do the squirrel, swirl and spit. Can't do it. Can't do it. A part of experiencing it is... Is, is it going down my gullet? So, but yeah, that, that is, that is uh, sort of where my mind went to. You have one guy who, who spits out the ice cream because he doesn't want the calories and, and the other guy eats $44 worth of ice cream at 3.30 in the morning and powered through to finish it. I love it. That's remarkable. Now I'm the same way. I, I mean, at the risk of debasing this podcast any more than we possibly can, I would rather be the human spittoon. Uh, when it comes to like tasting a bourbon, I would rather just like spit it into my hands and I'll, I'll drink the bourbon rather than spit it out. You're spitting out like a fine bourbon. I know that just hurts my heart. So I don't know. I couldn't be that person. Oh, isn't, wasn't that, uh, that, that, that was a, a Steinbeck novel, wasn't it? Was, was it Cannery, Cannery Row? Like that they would put all of the, the swill from all the different drinks in, oh, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a big uh, barrel. And then the, the town drunk would come at the end of the night and he would just drink whatever was in there or something i i some some I'm, I'm probably butchering it but there was some character in a steinbeck novel that, that did that i have a story with a twist i have a uh, this is this is actually very very funny in in college when i visit my friends at uc davis uh we had a friend who was a bartender 
And he had another friend who liked to drink a lot and didn't really care, (laughs) um, you know, how he got his alcohol. And so at the end of the night, this bartender would take the mat from underneath the bar and pour it into a shot glass. So this is all the catchings, all the leavings from the night poured into a shot glass and the other friend would drink it. Uh, And that bartender was Alex Smith's Alex Smith's brother. Alex Smith's brother. No kidding. Yeah. It always stuck with me, you know, just that he would he would make this uh, shot glass out of the leavings. And, you know, eventually he's like, hey, my brother's playing in the high school championship. Hey, my brother's playing in uh, D1 college. And hey, my brother might be the first overall pick to the Niners. Uh, Very, very wild ride. But that always reminds me of that shot glass and how much you you want that liquor in order to drink the leavings from a bar mat. Ooh, yeah, and there, you never know what's in there. Um, but Alex Smith in the news, he just he just announced exactly. his retirement and uh, really, really inspiring uh, to see him get back on the field after that awful, awful uh, broken leg and um, proved, I think, something to himself and good for him. You know, he's a guy who took a lot of criticism, I think, when he was in San Francisco, especially in the yeah. early early time. And, and he's he carved out a really nice career for himself. So... Uh, nice to see him end things on his own terms and and not go out, you know, on a stretcher and and make it back on the field. That that's pretty inspiring. Cool as heck. And I uh, just I I've said it on Twitter, and I'll just mention it again before we sign off. The 49ers Saints uh, game, the post the playoff game. I don't remember the exact year. One of my favorite all time sporting events to watch as a fan. Uh, you know, I've watched the, I watched the Niners win the Super Bowl in ninety four ninety five. I watched the Warriors win championships. I've enjoyed obviously a lot of fun times. With with the Giants, but that 49ers Saints game where Alex Smith had the drive and then he had to come up with another drive at the end. One of my favorite purest all-time sports experiences. Yeah, I was actually a Minnesota Vikings fan as a kid randomly. And uh, so, yeah, every time I see that Steve Young, like, like 80 yard scramble. Yes. It's just, I die inside. I die inside. Even with the great Lon Simmons call. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have heard, I've heard the Lon call and it was uh, that's a classic for sure. All right. Well, this has been your Niners chat with bags and Brisby. <laughs> uh, no, this has been bags and Brisby episode 125. We will be back on Thursday to talk about what happened in Philadelphia to see how the giants did and maybe to have a few of the choice quotes that Philadelphia fans have for Gabe Kapler. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.